My name is Bryce, and I'm your host for The Inbound Secret, where we're talking with top performers and health experts and sales badasses alike about their strategies to optimize their well-being and performance. Once again, this is The Inbound Secret, and, and let's get rocking and rolling. This is The Inbound What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Inbound Secret. I've got a special guest coming at you from, I don't even know where you're at right now, Kyrie. You you were picking up your bike after dropping off a Turo. So you're out on the <laughs> road, but you made time to make this happen. I appreciate that. I am. I'm sitting in a, an apartment complex parking lot um, in Scottsdale, Arizona. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Well, <laughs> So before we get started, I'm an avid motorcycle fan myself. I've got three bikes. We were talking about it here right before we started recording. So tell everybody about your journey. Like first introduce yourself, obviously, so people know who you are. Uh, And then I want to hear a little bit about this bike before we start talking about your story and the impact you're making, the 76 million that you have made for your clients with your agency and all the other stuff you've got going on. Yeah. Well, first, I appreciate being on, man. I, uh, yeah, this would be fun. So uh, again, Kyrie Oliver, I am 26 years old. I'm from Northern California. I've been living in Arizona for about five years now. Um, I run a marketing agency, kind of a solo marketing agency. I kind of handle everything myself. Like you said, we've done about $76 million total for my clients over the last five years. And then uh, I do men's like mixed between life coaching, masculinity coaching, slash business coaching. Uh, I've been doing that for about two or three years now. Awesome. Awesome. So it's an Indian, right? That's the bike you're riding right now? Yes. An Indian Chief Dark Horse, 2019. So you're 26. You're now doing marketing. You were a division one football player. You're a men's coach. You're a marketing agency owner. Tell me what brought you here. Cause you've got a lot of stuff going on. You're, oh you're like, you're like baby Dwayne Johnson over here doing all the cool stuff. <laughs> so what, where did this all come from? Was this something that like baby Kyrie Oliver was sitting there? It was like, I'm gonna buy a badass motorcycle. I'm gonna run a badass marketing agency and I'm gonna help men be the best version of themselves. Or did this kind of just evolve from something else? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, we'll call it a natural progression. Um, I thought I was going to be a professional athlete. When I was younger, I thought I was going to be a a basketball player. Then I thought I was going to be a a football player. I got close to doing it. Um, And then as I was kind of moving away from football, I found personal development, public speaking. That was around 2014. Um, And got into that space. I started working with Brendan Burchard big in the motivational speaking space, expert space for like speakers, authors, and coaches. Um, I was like a volunteer with all of his live events that he runs in California. And then it kind of introduced me to online marketing. So I started learning that it was something you could offer, something you could do. I I will add also, I, between the ages of 19 and 21, I've interviewed almost 800 people. It's a little bit over a thousand people now. I've kind of slowed down since then, but still like interviewing people sometimes. Uh, just really, it was to get a grasp of my own life. I, I was 
struggling to find myself after football, you know, the, the whole identity thing. And I didn't know who I was anymore. So I kind of went on a journey to find myself through other people. So I just started interviewing people about life, love, success, happiness, regrets. I've interviewed just about any type of person you could think of. Um, doctors, lawyers, uh, politicians, monks. I uh, interviewed three death row inmates, um, women and men who've been sold into sex slavery. Like I've, I've interviewed pretty much any type of person you could think of. And it just gave me a really interesting perspective on life. And then when I was introduced to marketing, I realized to get somebody to make a purchasing decision is very similar to get them to buy into you as a person or buy into your personality. Uh, buying into your brand is, is not too much different. So I was able to articulate to different businesses how to elicit a buying response from somebody who's never met them before. Awesome. So I, I've got to ask, when is your Netflix special coming out? Jeez, you, you got the hookup for that? <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe. We got, a, we got a vast network here over at the Inbound Secret Virtually Limitless. So we may oh, have yeah. to talk after the show and find out. But like, I'm only 28 turning 29 myself. And, and I've got kind of a similar story. Didn't really know what I was doing after high school and college. Yeah. And, uh, I wasn't a Division One athlete by any means, but it, it didn't really know my way. made basically every poor decision that a person could possibly make during their life and kind of just learned every lesson the hard way and then kind of got really into what saved me which was personal development mindset abundance coaching got really into that led that into me starting funnel driven which is the parent company to the inbound secret where it's a full service digital marketing agency. We specialize in intent-based, affinity-backed, neuroscience-enhanced, omnipresent ecosystems, lead generation, sales scaling, client acquisition are our three main goals. And we've done, I haven't actually pulled a record, but we've helped like 1,800 total clients, like 300 done-for-you clients. We've made a international network. We're in three countries now. Our average conversion for an ROA is like, a minimum of four to four to five times as high as 167. Uh, the biggest quick return we've had for a client was we turned like 300 bucks into like 40 grand in a weekend. And yep. so it's, it's a very similar story. So I love hearing the fact that you were like, Hey, I figured out that I could do this to help people and do this to help people because it helped me. And that's the, that's where like the impact driven entrepreneur comes. And that's why we wanted, we wanted to invite you on the show. So thank you again for being here. Now, talking about that, you, were you, you thought you were going to be a, a, a pro athlete, like your whole life, your childhood dream, it sounds like, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you did what most people fail to do, including pro athletes. You pivoted. Yes. Tell me a little bit about your experience with that pivoting. Cause you, you had a thousand sounds like amazing interviews. If, if you've got those somewhere online, I want you to, to tell everybody watching and listening where to see them. Cause I know they can get knowledge from them, but tell us a little bit about your experience on pivoting and how that's kind of opened your mind, opened possibilities, helped you make a bigger impact. Yeah. I mean, I'd say pivoting is a, is a really nice way to put it. I'd say I was scrambling for about three years and <laughs> ended up ended up finding some stuff that works. So uh, yeah, so in 2013, I moved back home from college. Um, 
2013 to 2016, right before I moved to Arizona, I was living in a trailer. I lived in my my aunt's garage, uh, and then I moved into my ex girlfriend's, my now ex girlfriend's dad's old duck hunting trailer on their property. Uh, they have like 11 acres in Northern California, and I lived at the back of their property in a trailer that I could not stand up straight in, uh, that I could not shower in. So I'd shower at the gym or at a friend's house. Uh, I was hitting friends up for, hey, we haven't seen each other in a while, just so I could eat dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, my bank account was perpetually in the negative, and literally for three years straight. I'm not the entrepreneur who had the, oh, I stayed the night in my car one night, so I was homeless. Um, yeah. I had about three years of nothing. And that was when I started working on myself. I started interviewing people. Um, I started working as much as I possibly could. I drove Lyft and Uber in San Francisco and I worked in special education at the time, full time. Uh Um, I would practice about three hours a week. I would literally sit in my trailer and stare at myself in the mirror and just address whatever came up. I, I really, really faced myself. And in that I grew probably 20 years in about three years. Um, and I think that's what's really held. It's let me hold my success together. I don't think it's what led me to my success, but it's what allowed me to, unlike a lot of people around our ages, I was able to grab it and hold on to it because I had the solid foundation. Um, so, you know, little hiccups didn't kind of pull me out from under my feet. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. I mean, it's beautifully said too. It's one of those things that like I'll, I'll just call a spade when a spade is here it's the hardest thing i think i've ever had to do was self-reflection to solve my own problems right any of us like when any you go us. like when you go back and you look at it and you're sitting there and you're talking about like what opportunity lies and you have to realize to some degree that like you could have been the toxic person like it's mm-hmm. a it's a big kick in the balls <laughs> Uh, but yeah. you're you're right. It it was one of the most empowering and impactful things I've ever done in my life. It's what led me to get the tattoo that's right here on my arm, uh, that's become our mission statement, which is you were made to thrive, not just survive. It it all Love stemmed it. from that type of that type of like nitty gritty, get down, fix your own shit attitude. It's pretty rare that you come by that these days, to be quite frank. I'm not sure why. I don't know what's gotten into everybody's mind, but that's a good segue into the next thing that you do. Not only are you running a marketing agency solo, which is a task in and of its own. I can I can tell you that firsthand. There's no way I'd yes. be able to do what I do solo. Yes. Do I have the skills to do it? Yeah, I just don't have the mental capacity to do it, <laughs> to be quite frank. I think what's funny is, I think the exact opposite. I don't have the mental capacity to have a team and manage everybody and deal with a whole bunch of different personalities. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you have the hard job and I have the easy one. <laughs> it's, it's funny when you, when you converse on that, right? So yep. your next avenue is coaching. You, you do men's coaching specifically. You're looking to make sure that they have the best opportunities. They're the best version of themselves. They're handling their own. Tell me a little bit about your experience with that, how that's gone from just entering the public speaking space to what it is today. Yeah. Um, again, it feels like a natural progression. I'm sure it wasn't. Um, I'm sure more went into it than I recognize for myself. But uh, it feels like, I again, I grew really fast. I grew as a person really fast. And it was just because of some really hardcore self-reflection. I mean, literally for an hour at a time, 
you sit there and you stare at yourself and you don't have any distractions. You don't have anything to pull your attention away. It's literally face it. And that's what you're doing at the time. So um, it's, uh, I, I think I just went through a very arduous process so that I could ease the process for other people. Um, so I actually started off like couples coaching when I was 19. I had like three clients. They were paying me like $150 a month. Uh, and it was like, I had two couples and then one uh, married couple. And I just didn't tell them how old I was. I was helping them <laughs> solve their problems. They're in their mid thirties. I assume they thought that I was early thirties. And you're um, 19 at the time, right? I was 19. I just never told them how old I was. So I, I realized that very early on, I, I chose to not allow my age to be hindrance to my success. And so I started hanging out with people older than me. Most of my friends were in their 40s and 50s. And I just kind of soaked up everything I could. I started hanging out with three guys who are all hedge fund managers. They all live in San Diego. And they're all in their 70s. And listen to crotchy, old, successful dudes talking about themselves. Again, I just learned a whole lot about the human experience really fast. Um, so I wanted to reach out and help other people. I think a lot of it stemmed from not having my own uh, masculine role model as a kid. I didn't have my dad in the house. So it was something that I thirsted for and I had to go piece it together. I had to go piece it together from my friend's dads, my uncles, my grandfather, my great grandfather, uh, coaches, teachers. So I, instead of having the one consolidated source that says, here's what it looks like to be a man or an adult in the world. I had to pick and choose what I wanted to gain from each person I interacted with. And I realized at the end of the day, I had turned a perceived weakness into an actual superpower where most people do have that one source of their dad in the home to tell them what it looks like. But it also comes with your father's biases. It also comes with his shortcomings. It also comes with his limited view of thinking sometimes. And because I pieced together different pieces from different men, I was able to say, well, I like this guy, how this guy handles finances, but not necessarily how he handles his relationships. So I'm only going to take the finance piece from that guy. I like how this guy handles his marriage, but not necessarily how he treats his kids. I'm only going to take the marriage piece and not the, and not the child rearing piece. So I kind of got to have a bespoke version of masculinity as I pieced it together for what worked for me. And now I just help other guys do the same. Well, I think that's a unique, I, I think the term superpower that you use is kind of perfect for that. Cause you're absolutely right. Like in my own life, I've always had my father around and I love the man dearly, but he does have a different way of thinking on certain things than I do. And mm -hmm. he has a different way to do things than I do. And he had different experiences than what I've had. So there's, there's never that like congruency that, that could go through that because each person's different and each experience is different. Each, every single time that something occurs, it may have a different outcome or thought process or, or response, right? So being able to pick yeah. and choose, while it wasn't necessarily ideal, I would say it's definitely been impactful. Yeah, and it, well, it also taught me to go out and find and search and be resourceful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the number one. I think that's the number one um, attribute, positive attribute of an entrepreneur. Sorry, somebody was driving by asking if they can get on my motorcycle. <laughs> to, to mouth hell no get away from me uh, that's um, the only appropriate answer 
So, so I, I think it taught me resourcefulness. At the end of the day, it taught me how to be resourceful. And that is translated a million times over into my entrepreneurship experience. Well, I think that's an important lesson for a lot of the people that are, that are going to be listening to this. You, you said it a little different than I would say, but it's the same concept. What is one of the biggest, most admirable traits for an entrepreneur? Well, we're problem solvers. It, it, we're mm-hmm. typically the person that jumps feet first before even knowing if there's water down there because we know we can solve it on the way down. Right. So, and, and it, it's that, it's that we tick differently, right? It's, you see these people all the time and like a really common thing that's going on in 2020. And, and I feel for everybody that's experiencing this is how do we save money, right? Because mm-hmm. the economy is crazy where most of us, and tell me if you agree on this, most of us in the entrepreneur space, we're not necessarily looking to save money. Our questions is always, okay, how do we make more so we can help more, right? It's a different way to think about solving the same problem. Could we cut back costs on a few things? Probably. Would it make us as much of an impact and be able to help change the lives of as many people if we focused on that? No way. You need to... I need to have you talk to my girlfriend about this because I keep trying to tell her the more money I spend, the more money I make. And it's always been that way in my business. And uh, it's, it's what I teach other guys. It's uh, money likes movement. Money likes to, to be spent and received at the same time. When you hoard it, it runs away from you. When you chase it, it runs away from you. When you allow it to flow through you, it just magnifies. It always has. Oh yeah, it's the velocity of money. There's there's an entire like neuroscience psychological happenstance that occurs there. Yep. It, it, it goes with the same conversation. One of the biggest things that I coach a lot of entrepreneurs on, as well as like sales reps that are in a they're an intrapreneur, right? Is they always try and sell from their pocket or they sell from their own experience or they sell from what they value as a dollar, right? Sure. <laughs> but here's what most people forget. Your consumer has a bad relationship with money until somebody shows them to have a good one. Yep. A bad relationship with money dictates, okay, a dollar's worth X. I have to work hard for a dollar. I have to work more for a dollar. I have to put in more hours for a dollar. And that's not necessarily true. You can work smarter. You can have your money work for you. <clears throat> and what's a sale at the end of the day, right? It's the transference of a solution to a problem for something of value. In most cases, money. Is that bad for anybody? Only if it doesn't work. Even if it doesn't work, is it bad for anybody? Because you're you're doing three things anytime a dollar changes hands. You're adding to the velocity of the economy. So you've just stimulated the economy. As mm-hmm. long as you're not a, a shit bag and you actually deliver on the promise of the sale of what you are solving for somebody, they've just got their problem solved, the purchaser. You just got more revenue to be able to go make a bigger impact to more people and buy goods and services that you and your business may need. Increasing the velocity of money and now providing for somebody else's family and somebody else's livelihood. Now you've just put more money back into the the community. It's a win, win, win as long as it's done properly. Yes. I agree with that. So why restrict the amount of money that you spend if it's a win, win, win? All parties win. A rising tide raises all ships. Why would you want to focus on the negative connotation? 
And we're gonna need this. You're gonna need to send me this recording because I'm about to go home and tell my girlfriend we're buying a Bentley. In a few weeks. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so I'm gonna need I'm gonna need your backup on this one. I've got you, but I've already got some ideas on how to monetize that. Oh, so do I. That's the whole reason for doing it. I like. <laughs> I thought about it. I went to dinner. Do you, are you familiar with Sean Kemp? Yeah. So Sean's a good friend of mine. He lives about 20 minutes away. We went on a double date, double date with both of our girlfriends last night. And I was talking to him about it. I was like, you know, I just don't see a downside uh, for, for getting a Bentley for branding, especially because I target young men for my coaching. It's like, uh, uh, you know, attract them with luxury. And then once they're in, recognize, hey, I have a very amazing relationship. I've got a baby on the way. I've got dogs that I love. I've got a pretty modern and like modest lifestyle but my abundance comes from so much more than the thing that brought you in to, to notice me. I think it's important to also, to also touch on a couple of things in that. Cause I, I love the idea there, but you can monetize a Bentley in more than just branding cars and coffee is a great way to get clients, like a fantastic way to get clients doing, doing drive meets. Great way to do clients. Bentleys are great for content shoots. You can, you can have masterminds in them. If you want to do a road trip, We've filmed yep. some in Lamborghinis. The, the car isn't necessarily the, an expense. And if you do it right, I can actually hook you guys up with my friend, Chris. Uh, he runs a company that specializes in doing personal banking, infinite personal banking. Oh, and, wow. he, and he's found a way how you can take a depreciating asset like a car and actually profit from it in three years. Like automatically, like you don't lose any principal without monetizing it, like just owning the fucking thing. You can make money from it. And so anybody looking, looking out, it's uh, uh, let me look it up. It's mind shift capital. I want to say this is company's name. I love it. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. And anybody that's listening to, if you just drop a, a tag here, I'll send that over. But the second thing that's important here is, Success is different for everybody, right? Like everybody mm-hmm. likes a Bentley. Bentley's probably my favorite luxury brand. That or Rolls, but it depends on the Rolls. I like the, I like the, I like the Ghost. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the Phantom. So it's uh, yeah. it's one of those things. Uh, I'm a BMW guy by heart. So <laughs> I've had like nine gotcha. of them. Um, gotcha. It's it, before I get sidetracked. I'll talk cars, guns all day long and bikes cars guns and bikes if it shoots something or has an engine i'm all about it we might need to do another podcast then i think we might (laughs) let me wrap up my thought though so success looks different for everybody else right so your definition of success may be different than mine and playing into the hand of your client the the beneficiary of your coaching of your marketing to their definition of success is really paramount into being at the best service. I mean, you've got to operate with integrity, morals, and ethics at all times, but what's the best way for you to do that? Transparency in how you deliver. It's Mm -hmm. not about if you want your client to get a Bentley, if they're a Bentley fan all day long, but what if they hate Bentleys? Yeah. So using that object, I can see multiple ways that you can monetize it and still be in service of all of your clients where you don't ostracize anybody. True. true. (laughs) And 
I'm going to say this because I, I don't feel like you'll ever do this, but for those listening, if you're going to get into the luxury car game of any kind, whether it be a Mercedes, an Acura, a Bentley, a Rolls, a, you want to go supercar, if you're going to use it in your marketing, fucking own the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, okay. Or, <laughs> yes. or do what me and Trey joked about, because I've got a bunch of friends that have them, but if you're going to use them, you have to be clear about it. So it, t- <laughs> this is kind of funny, but Kyrie, tell me what you think about this. We wanted to make fun of the, I stayed in my car one night, so I was homeless and I walked down Bel Air, so I'm super wealthy guru types yep. that exist. Yep. Because rather than renting a Lamborghini for an hour and doing a video shoot, we were going to go surround myself with like the, the Lambos, the Ferraris, the Porsches, like all the, all the exotics, the fucking imports, the NSXs. And we were going to shoot a video very similar to those, but rather than claiming or even implying that they're ours, the first line in the video was going to be, none of these are mine, but it got your attention, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> hey, is it because it's an attention grabber. That's the only, that, that's the, the main initial point of it is, holy hell, what's that? <laughs> right. Uh, for those of you listening that maybe have never looked into them, they're not as expensive as you think. Like if you make a hundred grand a year in most of the country, and I say most of, because if you make a hundred grand in California, you're poor. But if you make a hundred grand in most of the country, you can buy a Lamborghini. They're like two grand a month. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're not terribly expensive in comparison to, because like growing up as a kid, right? You see them on a poster and you're like, fuck, that thing's sweet. And you're like, it's, and then you see the big price tag, you're like, ah, it's half a million dollars for like their biggest, baddest one, right? That still breaks down on a lease to like three to four grand a month for like their most yeah, it, expensive it, one. <laughs> it'll be like 3,800 a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I, and I think that's something you realize as you progress in business and in life is like, things are a lot more accessible than you thought they were when you were a kid. It's it, like the the people that we looked up to as kids and then if you're making eight ten grand a month in your business right now there's not a humongous separation between you and them now you start talking multiple seven multiple eight figures up into the nine figure range those are just people who were right where you are and took advantage of every single opportunity that is now in front of you or they use the money that you're making right now more effectively and more efficiently and smarter than the average person who stays at eight to 10 grand a month for the next 20, 30 years. Well, and let's, let's add to that. What's the difference between your average civilian and a millionaire? Mm-hmm. A millionaire just took an opportunity that you thought was a scam because you didn't want to look into it. <clears throat> yeah. I'm a big believer that luck doesn't exist. It's possibility, probability, and opportunity seized overlapping. And mm. you see it all the time because... Like I've got a good friend named Jason and he's in network marketing. I'm not into network marketing. I don't like the model. It doesn't fit well with me. It doesn't fit my personality. I don't want to sell fucking soap. Right. But him and his wife love it. And they bring in like 80 grand a month passively pretty much at this point because it fit them. It wasn't that it was a scam. It wasn't that it wasn't an opportunity. It's that they saw it as what it was and decided to give it a try. That's all it is. 
<laughs> you can be successful with network marketing. You can be successful with, with digital virtual businesses. You can be successful with an old school deli. You just have to take that opportunity and seize it. So there's, there's two examples I use with this. I, both of them happen to live in Australia. One of my old consulting clients um, taught older women how to build birdhouses. She made courses on how to build different birdhouses. She has a multiple eight-figure business now. Just teaching oh, yeah. old women how to build birdhouses. The second one had her own bakery. And in the course of us working together and her hiring mentors and things like that, she opened up 12 bakeries. And then she just hired her friends to run her bakeries. And then she started teaching people how to open up their own bakeries. And I believe she's responsible for about seven, almost 800 bakeries being opened around the world using her model of doing it. And she's also a multiple eight-figure earner at this point. Yeah. Passively. Yeah. Well, th think about it. Like salesforce.com. Everybody knows that CRM, right? Mm-hmm. The dude that started that started with barely two nickels to rub together. And I, I forget his actual story, but it, he worked for another software firm, didn't like how things were going, started his own. Salesforce.com is like the second largest CRM, I think, in America. Yep. <laughs> and, and another one, Stripe, right? Stripe payment processing. That started in 2008. Like it started during our last recession and they're freaking massive. Yeah, we didn't hear about it, what, mainstream until 2015 or 16? Yeah. No? Yeah, there's a lot of those. What about what my um, most amazing friends and personal mentor, Ron Lynch, started off in grocery retail and is now responsible for over, what is it, $4 billion in products sold in like, you know, ShamWow, um, OxyClean. Uh, Billy Mays. <laughs> he, and he was, he was one of the people behind Billy Mays. That's now awesome. $4 billion in sales yeah. from a grocery retail clerk. Yeah. Well, think about it. Like Gary Vaynerchuk, right? He's a household mm -hmm. name these days. He was pretty underground for like the last decade up until a couple yeah, of years he, ago. He just 2015. Ran, yeah. He just ran his family's wine store and figured out that, hey, if I modernize this thing, we can sell more wine. <laughs> and now he's a coach, a consultant, a public speaker. Now he owns multiple franchises of his company. He owns the winery. He owns wine to text. Now he started a book club. Like mm -hmm. it's been what? 20 there's, years? Also, there's also another lesson in that in some of the greatest ideas ever. They're not crazy complex. I think people, people isolate themselves or paralyze themselves in business by believing that everything has to be super complex. The best solutions are simple. It's just you thought about it a different way than, than conventionally thought of, like it's been conventionally thought of. But it's not an, an incredibly complex system to figure out a solution to something. It's almost always more of a straight line than you'd give it credit for. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of my favorite quotes of all time is life is simple. It's us that complicates things. Hell, yeah. Because <laughs> we think in order to be successful, it has to be hard. That's like the embedded nine to five even within us entrepreneurs but hard I doesn't mean it's sacrifice. not simple no there's a difference between easy and simple <clears throat> something can be Very simple true. and not be easy for instance being successful as an entrepreneur 
Is it easy? No, it's a fuck ton of work. Is yeah. it simple? Pretty much. You need like two computer programs and a cell phone this day. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but we've got to wrap up, but I want to leave the people with some gold. Are you down? Yeah, always. All right. So I'm going to ask you three favors. Favor one. What is the most impactful life lesson that you have learned through your experiences, through your mentors, through your coaches, through everything that's gotten you here today that you would have loved to tell your prior self, a younger version of you, if you could go back in time and have a conversation with them? Yeah, I'd say Yeah, the number one asset is, like we talked about at the beginning of the call, it's learning yourself, learning every single piece and aspect of yourself, what you love, what you hate, what you wish you could get rid of, uh, what you wish you had done better. Start appreciating and learning as much as you can about yourself because it teaches you about the world. And when you can understand the world and other people, you're able to use the knowledge to your advantage in anything you ever do. 100%, 100%, love it. So... Favor two, I know you've got some juice for these people listening. Is mm. there is there a program, a coaching website, an offer, a book, a website? Do you just want them to like hit you up everywhere? What is the one thing that you want to let these people know that you can help them with? Yeah, well, eventually there will be all of the above. Uh, as far as right now, I'm not taking on marketing clients. Uh, I am taking on students, but the spots will probably be pretty filled in the next week or so. So by the time this comes out, it'll probably won't be an offer anymore. Um, so I'd say the number one thing would be my uh, entrepreneur coaching. Um, it would be my, how do we figure out life, ourselves, our businesses, our relationships um, holistically. And how do we turn into the person that deserves the life that we're looking for? Awesome. Awesome. And last but not least, there's going to be people that want to reach out to you, connect with you, follow you, make friends with you, maybe go riding with you if they're in your area. Where can the people find you, my man? Yeah, easiest way to probably be Instagram. That's just at Kyrie, K-Y-R-E-E -E on Instagram. Um, or maybe my personal Facebook I think the link is facebook.com slash Kyrie Oliver 1994. Um, if you add me from there, shoot me a message as well, or else I just won't be able to look at your friend request. Um, but I'd say probably the easiest way is Instagram. Just at Kyrie, K-Y-R-E-E. Right on. All right, everybody. Make sure that you go hit up Kyrie Oliver, the man, the legend, the former Division I football player, $76 million earned for his clients in his private marketing firm men's coach and as he said here upcoming best-selling author and program originator Kyrie thank you for being on here my man hallelujah thank you again man absolutely this is the inbound secret
My name is Bryce, and I'm your host for The Inbound Secret, where we're talking with top performers and health experts and sales badasses alike about their strategies to optimize their well-being and performance. Once again, this is The Inbound Secret, and, and let's get rocking and rolling. This is The Inbound This is the inbound, the inbound, the inbound, this is the inbound secret. 